Hello and welcome to This Black Girl's Voice, a podcast that encourages women to speak up and out in all areas of their lives, to start over and lean more on faith than fear. I am your host, Shade Wade, and thank you for sharing space with me today. What's up, Black Voices? So on today's episode, we're going to be discussing narcissistic mothers and the daughters that they leave behind. This episode does not exclude any sons, nieces, or nephews, or anyone for that matter, who may have been raised by an aunt or a family member who actually displays some of the behavior that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, For me, this episode is very special because I've gotten a lot of requests on Instagram to really dive deep into this topic because it's not really talked about when we are discussing the dynamic between black mothers and the relationship to their daughters. And I can totally understand why. You know, we see moms in our worlds as our teachers, as our nurturers, as the person who we go to when the world has beaten us up and we need love, we need protection, we need warmth. You know, we look at our mothers as, you know, the person who gets the impossible done. You know, they get things done and they are our own like superheroes. So it can be quite painful and even shameful to admit that you yourself do not feel this way about your mother. You know, especially when you have friends or other people around you who are in complete admiration with their moms and you just cannot relate and they can't relate to you. So I'm here to dedicate this podcast to anyone who has a very confusing and painful relationship with their mother And to just give you a little bit more information about um, what it's like to be raised under the roof of a narcissistic mother. Now, before we get started, I just want to say that only a licensed professional, such as a psychologist or a psychiatrist, has the authority to diagnose anyone with being uh, narcissistic, because essentially it's a personality disorder. So although I'm not a licensed professional, there are many journals that have been written by psychologists and psychiatrists that's posted on the American Psychology Association, excuse me, y'all. <laughs> and, you know, we have the beautiful opportunity to read them, to learn from them and gain information. So that's what I'm here to give to you guys today. So I'm going to give you about 10 different behaviors that you can identify to alert you that you yourself have been raised by a narcissistic mother. So the first one, The first one is you really notice that, you know, your mom is not listening to you when you speak. Have you ever had like an amazing day and you just cannot wait to speak to your mom? You couldn't wait to get home to talk to her about it. Or you had like this brilliant idea or project that you're about to embark on. And if you're anything like me, you just have to get it off your chest, right? You can't hold it in. You want to tell the world, but most importantly, you want to tell your mom about this great new thing that you're about to do. And as you're talking to her, you notice that she's on her phone. She's looking away from you. She's not really engaging in conversation. She may hit you with the, "Mm mm-hmm, oh, okay. But there's really not a back and forth conversation between you and her. And the moment that she notices a pause within uh, the conversation, she will switch the topic to her and talk about her issues and her day. But she really didn't ask you any follow-up questions about what you just told her. You know, she's not really engaging, so she's not listening to you. That's the first behavior that can really give you a hint 
that she may be a narcissistic person. Number two, she often diminishes your feelings. Have you ever expressed how you may be depressed or sad? You just like, something's just off within yourself. And you'd be like, mom, like I'm just, I'm not really feeling good. Things are really not going my way. And I'm just having like a really tough week or day. And you know, she'll say something to you like, how can you be sad when you have this nice car? You have all these clothes, you're handsome or you're beautiful. You have all of these opportunities. You have all of these privileges. What is there possibly for you to be depressed about? You know, by her, you know, diminishing your feelings, it's teaching you from a child on into your adulthood that your feelings doesn't matter. So you start to learn to hide certain aspects about yourself and you can actually carry that on into your adulthood where you may be extremely codependent on validation from other people because you don't trust how you feel because you've been in a house where your mother has taught you to push down your feelings. You know, she taught you that you may be overreacting and it's not that serious. The third behavior is that you notice that you have a very transactional relationship with your mother. For example, has your mom ever told you that, you know, because she bought you some clothes that you need to clean the house? Now, granted, you know, all mothers, you know, they like to teach their children responsibility because nothing comes free, right? You have to work and you have to earn, you know, what you do from your hard work. However, it's different with narcissistic mothers because there's always an interior motive for what she wants. So she may tell you, you know, well, since I got you that prom dress or I cooked you this food, I need you to do me a huge favor. And that favor never ends. A month or two later, you know, she'll bring it back up to you like, listen, remember when I bought you those sneakers? Well, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. You may feel that she's not doing things because she cares about you or she genuinely loves it, you know, as being your mother and just being a person to help you get along in life, she's doing it because she wants you to do something for her. The fourth behavior is gaslighting. Now, gaslighting is when someone convinces you that what you saw, heard, or experienced wasn't true and is not as bad as you're making it. So I'm gonna give you an example. Let's say you came into the house and you had like a brand new hairstyle and you are like totally feeling it, you feeling good about yourself, you walk in the house and your mom says, what did you do to your hair? Why did you do that? I don't I don't think you should have did that. And you may have responded like, well, why you don't like my hair? Why would you say that, mom? Like, I love it. And her response would be, I never said that I didn't like your hair. Who said that I didn't like your hair? That right there is gaslighting. You heard what she said, you repeated it back to her, but she will convince you until you yourself admit to her that no, she did not say that. She refuses to take accountability for what she says. And gaslighting is very traumatizing and it's actually very abusive because what it's doing is, it's also teaching you that you don't know what you're talking about. Your feelings are never validated and you often will have to argue. It feels like an argument, but what it is, is, is more of control. She wants you to know that she's in control of everything and that what you think you heard and saw is not true. And that is gaslighting. The fifth one will be rage. Your mother is easily triggered whenever you point out any wrongdoings that she may have done to you, you know, such as you refusing to back down to her abuse. You know, she may be calling you names, calling you stupid or dumb, or just telling you that you did something that you know deep down in your heart you did not do, and you're just voicing your opinion about it. She just becomes 
so triggered that she becomes enraged and she will even hit you, throw things at you. Um, she may slam cabinets. She may start stomping around in the house, yelling, screaming, and you know, you're watching her behave this way and you may be like, why is she doing this? And she will in return tell you, it is your fault that I am walking around screaming and yelling or it is even your fault that I hit you. It's often a lot of um, blaming. She never, again, she never takes accountability for her behavior and how she's treating you. Number six would be lack of empathy. Now, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. So she definitely is incapable of being mindful about how you feel. So when you express anything, she will always be confused and somehow find a way to bring the attention back on her and what's going on in her life. Um, letting you know that her illnesses are more important. You know, uh, however you're feeling is not important because she wants the attention to be back on her. Which brings us to number seven, which is she wants all of the attention. You know, when she walks in the house, she is not always like in a good mood. She may be looking to complain about something and she's often saying, you know, I never get any help around this house. I never get any help. No one loves me. I have to do everything by myself. You know, and she makes a big fuss about this on a regular. Um, and again, she will blame you for her unhappiness. It's your fault, your fault because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. This is why I'm having a bad day. Or she may, you know, blame other people that she's encountered out in the street for why, you know, she's having a, a really terrible day. And she will prolong this attitude for weeks. She will ponder on it and she'll keep bringing it up. You know, she wants that attention. The eighth behavior is she's all about a superficial image. She never wants to portray herself as not being smart or in control in public. If someone was to correct her in front of others, she becomes very confrontational and she makes a big scene about it because she doesn't want anyone to know that she's embarrassed because she didn't know something. You know, she needs to control how everyone in the household look, especially, you know, herself, because leaving the house is important, looking good. She doesn't want anyone to make her look bad. Her image is her form of, of control. She has to look good, you know, even though she's not feeling good on the inside, even though she's not treating her children right, you know, her husband or even herself, like the household dynamic is just very toxic and heavy. But, but when she goes outside, she needs to make sure that everyone knows that that's not the case. The ninth behavior is manipulation. This is often wrapped around guilt trips. You know, she'll probably say to you, I've done everything for you. I gave up my life for you. I've done this and you are so ungrateful. And what does that do to children? You know, it makes a child, you know, think, well, maybe I am a bad person. Maybe I am doing something wrong. You know, mom did really work really hard and she did give, you know, all this stuff up for me. Maybe I am, you know, just being too irrational. Let me go ahead and do what she wants me to do. You know, she's manipulating you by bullying you to do what she wants. Because again, narcissistic people, they need to be in control. So they'll do anything within their power to make sure that she, you know, that they pressure you. And I'm saying um, she, because we're talking about mothers. So, you know, narc moms do everything in their power to pressure you to do what she wants you to do. And the last behavior is going to be codependency on their children for their emotional well-being. 
You know, your mom will expect or even demand you to be responsible for how she feels. You know, when she's sad, upset, enraged, or just wants to complain, she will come to you and expect you to calm her down and make her feel better. You know, she hasn't developed the emotional intelligence to know that she is in control of her own emotional state, that she has to take care of herself and it's not her child's responsibility to be there for her. But she will put that responsibility on you because once again, she lacks empathy. She does not realize that, you know, you're uncomfortable with always having to be there for her emotionally while she's not the same for you. Um, These behaviors really can traumatize a child because it will make a child be a people pleaser. And by being a people pleaser is you will do anything in your power to make others happy. You'll do anything in your power to make your mother happy. And in return, you lose yourself. You're not doing anything for you. You just don't want to cause any trouble. You know, narcissistic mothers um, being raised in that household, you know, you're always on edge. You never know what's going to happen. Every day it's an issue. There's always something. It's always a problem. There's never a time where you can just remember where, you know, you're you're having fun or it's just not a small issue is not going to be brought into this big thing where you're going to bed and you're just very anxious and you may wake up very anxious. And being on edge every single day does something to your nervous system. It does something to your brain and it breaks you down. Now, when we're talking about black mothers and their black daughters, here's the thing that I want to say regarding this. A lot of people do not want to admit that their black mothers are very jealous and very um, competitive in relationship to their daughters. Um, And this is a very real thing, it's not made up. And if you've been experiencing this with your mother, you may see that she always wants to be in competition. She may diminish your accomplishments. Um, She may tell you, you know, you have such a terrible attitude. And she's only telling you this when you refuse to succumb to her abuse. And she may tell you that, you know, you may not ever amount to anything or you're just like your dad or you're not going to be anything or anything that's regarding you is always a hassle. It's always a burden whenever you need anything that requires her to leave her comfort zone. And I'm here to help you with some with some suggestions on how to heal from that. So if you're listening today and you are 18 and below in age You know, at this time of your life, you're really dependent on your mom for your financial well-being, um, your livelihood at this point. And, you know, you're in school and you probably feel like you don't have anything else to do or anyone to turn to. You may be afraid to speak to um, someone because you may feel that speaking out against your mother is in some way betraying her. Uh, you maybe feel like a really bad person. You may be really scared because you don't want to get in trouble. And I totally understand that. But I'm here to say that if you have someone in your life that you trust, a teacher, a nurse, um, a close family member, a friend, I really encourage you to, to speak to someone, talk to an adult, talk to someone. Because keeping this inside and trying to find a way to maneuver within this household by yourself It can really do some damage to you and it can hurt you in the long run. And I know all about that guilt and that shame and just the overall abuse of being raised by a mother who makes you feel less than, who actually, you know, abandons you when you need it most, who rejects you, um, 
and who is very, you know, passive aggressive or even sometimes overly aggressive when they're dealing with you. So my first suggestion is to seek some form of therapy. This goes for children or or even right now as adults. You know, recovering from this type of abuse isn't easy. And again, it's not advised to do, you know, alone. If you aren't able to go um, no contact with your mother, which means that you have no text messages, you have no calls, no emails, like you just go cold turkey without talking to her. And that's something that is not easy. I myself had to go no contact with my mother for several months um, because I just could not take the manipulation, the guilt trips and the shame and just everything that came associated with her when I decided to create healthy boundaries for myself and my son. So um, therapy will help you navigate on how to create healthy boundaries within you going no contact with her. But if that is impossible because you're living in her house or you're just not sure how to go no contact with her, you really need to get yourself in some form of therapy. Now, I know that you know some individuals may be working at jobs where you may feel like you cannot afford therapy. I encourage you to ask your employer about, well, what are the benefit packages that I get? You know, you'd be surprised that a lot of uh, these jobs, especially in retail, they have a beautiful resource for you to go in and speak to a you know psychologist or a psychiatrist. And sometimes they'll pay a portion of it, but they'll also give you, you know, other outlets for you to seek help. So I definitely will encourage you to do that. Um, the second one I would definitely say is to acknowledge and recognize what's happening to you. Admitting that something is wrong and that you're not okay is the very first step in your recovery process. You know, again, you know, it's, it's, this is a topic that's very hard to talk to anyone because not a lot of mothers are narcissistic moms, but there's enough of them where the children that are left behind that grow into adults we don't have a safe space to speak about that because again if we talk about our mothers in a bad light we are often ridiculed and you know we are told ourselves in a form of gaslighting that what we're feeling is not true or maybe your mom is just having a bad day or maybe you need to just talk to your mom in this way have you tried this and people who are not raised by narc moms will never understand that they don't want any help they don't think anything is wrong with them. It's very difficult trying to get to a common ground with a narcissistic person because um, there's just no way in getting through to them. And even when these individuals decide to go into therapy, a therapist would tell you that there's no cure. It's very hard to get a narc person to even go to therapy to get any type of assistance um, with their disorder. It's very serious. So the only thing that you can do is protect yourself and you know creating healthy, healthy boundaries for yourself and removing that shame and guilt for deciding to choose you and not to succumb to feeling like you're responsible for your mother. You know, you're responsible for yourself. And um, just admitting that, you know, will relieve a lot of pressure and just let you know that there's a lot of help out there and that your feelings are very validated. I've shared a lot of that as well. Um, and another tip I can give is to grieve. You know, the grieving process is really the toughest, I would have to say, um, because you're feeling unprotected and rejected and abandoned and unloved. And when you really sit with those feelings and you really sit there and be like, you know, well, 
I really have a mom who treated me this way. I have a mom who really doesn't, you know, care or she's not going to be there and be the type of mom that I need her to be. This ideal that you have of her is never going to come true. And that is the grieving process. Allow yourself to cry, to be angry, you know? It's okay to be angry um, and not to try to mask those feelings. It's, and you can grieve for as long as you need to, you know? But definitely don't stay there too long, but also don't rush the process. Another tip that I would give is to write about your experiences. You know, if you can't afford therapy, if that's just not feasible for you, if you are at a stage where you're just too afraid to speak to anyone, which is totally okay, that's normal as well. Writing is very sacred, it's very safe. Um, get yourself a notebook and just start writing down everything that you're feeling without um, trying to hinder the, you know, the process of how you're feeling. Just write it all out, you know? It's okay to say, you know, you don't like your mother, you don't like what's happening, you know, you're depressed, whatever is happening within you, get that all out on paper. That is in itself a form of therapy. I've held a journal since I was seven years old. Um, I was raised in a domestic um, abusive home. Not only was I raised by a narc mom, but she was also involved with a man who she's still with today, who was physically, emotionally, and financially abusive towards her. And I used to see my mother get beaten all the time. And no one spoke to me about it. I was made to feel that it was normal, that something was wrong with me because I didn't like it. I often protested against it. Um, but, you know, being raised by the, mother that, by the mother that I had, image was very important to her. So anytime I try to speak out against anything that was wrong, she made me feel as though I was creating trouble. So I turned to my journal. And um, that was the first experience I remember writing in my journal at seven years old. And I've been writing in my journal ever since, and I'm 33 right now, and it is my form of therapy. It's the best thing that could have ever happened to me, especially when I'm allowed a chance to reflect and look back on how I felt. It shows me how I was able to grow from month to month. So I definitely encourage you to get a journal. That would be your first step of recovering and um, really getting the help that you need. 